One day, in the late mid-80s, I was in my early late twenties. I had just been dismissed from university after delivering a brilliant lecture on the aggressive influence of German philosophy on rock and roll entitled You Can't Always Get What You Want. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait. You haven't seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis aka TV's Travis. This is episode 170 and our movie this week is 2001's Hedwig and the Angry Inch and here to talk with me about it. He loves this movie and has seen it. I had not. It's Phil Keating from Botched. Phil how you doing? Oh, Travis, man, I'm so happy to be back. Thank you again for uh, allowing me to come back onto your show. Absolutely. We had a great time last time, and I do remember you uh, threatening me with this movie before, saying, I'm going to make you watch Hedwig. And um, I, so I'll start with kind of my background on the movie, and then we'll get to yours. Um, I knew of this movie. I had seen the title before. I knew it had to do with um, a, like, punk rock act, and that was basically it i didn't know anything much beyond that um and it would you know it would be one of those things where if i was on imdb it would show up and the others have watched this when i look at something like this is spinal tap or um priscilla queen of the desert so i kind of had an idea of the direction that it was going in but i didn't know anything about it uh except for that but you you knew about this movie you wanted to watch this one so what's your history with this movie so this movie was forced upon me in about 2004. Um, a, a group that I fell into in, in my college years was like, wait, you haven't seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch? And I was like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. And they're <laughs> like, well, I mean, you're at an art college, so you're already in the right direction. And you like Rocky Horror, right? And I was like, of course I like Rocky Horror. I'm at an art school. <laughs> they're like, okay you idiot sit down <laughs> and enjoy your first watch through of your favorite musical of all time and so i did and i mean credit to my friends at the time man they were absolutely correct this is my favorite musical of all time um uh, i am one that enjoys broadway musicals and sometimes when they come to film but this was just like a perfect in your face, we're going to go right off the bat in the opening scene and just take you on a wild journey about gender identi- uh, identity, mm-hmm. um, uh, lost love, uh, your art being stolen from you. Uh, just all these raw emotions. Um, have fun trying to piece it all out yourself. But this is who I am. I'm Hedwig, and you have to deal with it. Yeah, and so I had... I had over time kind of learned that there was some of the gender identity that was part of this. And then to think that this is 21 years old and more relevant today than it was probably 21 years ago when it, when it debuted. Oh, a hundred percent. So I knew it's an, it's an off Broadway show that somehow got made into a film, you know, which, which is incredible. Um, I'm like you, I do enjoy a good musical, uh, but I like, I don't like every musical that I see. 
But uh, Rocky Horror being one that I love. Um, I actually saw Moulin Rouge for the first time not too long ago for this show. Much better than I thought it would be. I'm not the biggest Baz Luhrmann fan because I do... I do feel like he can be a little more style over substance, but there was something with Moulin Rouge, and maybe it was Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor and some of those performances. That one was good to me. I really, I had a good time with it. Moulin Rouge is a smartly written musical. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Like, uh, and we, you know, maybe you were jaded like I was with that music video that came out in the late '90s, early 2000s. That didn't. Help. That was just like. <laughs> TNA, right? And so, like, mm-hmm. I thought that that whole musical was just TNA, but again, like, I came to that late and was sat down and, and was forced to watch it. And it was like, oh no, okay, this is a lot smarter than than that single that came out. And yes, I enjoyed this a lot more than I should have. Mm-hmm. And and that is the thing I think that sticks with me is it's it's really well written and there's there's more depth to it than I thought. And this movie had a lot of that. Uh, there was there was a good amount of depth. There was a lot of stuff that is making me want to watch it again just to kind of pick some parts and focus on them even more. And I know I'm going to get, I'm going to peel more and more layers off of it and kind of get more the more times that I watch it. This movie is like an onion. It's got layers. <laughs> One of the things I definitely had a, very much had a feel of this is Spinal Tap during a lot of it. It had... You could tell there was some influence there from that. It wasn't exactly the same, right? Because Spinal Tap was, for that movie, they were the big rock band that slowly fell off, whereas Hedwig starts off in the like family restaurant. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're playing Long John Silvers. <laughs> yes. And uh, even before that, right, before the, the, the Angry Inch was formed, they were playing laundry mats and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, buffets and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, this artist that had incredible music and lyrics um, was just struggling to find their voice and also the band that fits their voice. And uh, it's, it's such a, there's, uh, there's such chaos behind it. And you're right. It's like tongue in cheek, but also like, yeah, I mean, as a musician, we've all played really bad gigs. I've never played a, a, a seafood buffet, but I, I, I've definitely have been to some of those dive bars before. And my thing that I love about that is that no matter what the venue that they're in, they're still playing as hard as possible. Yes. Right? Because they're all taking Hedwig's lyrics and the music written behind it as seriously as possible because mm-hmm. it means so much to them. And that was like, that was what really made me feel like uh, that connection to something like this is spinal tap. Because even in that, when they're playing at the air force base and he's got like his wireless thing that keeps getting interfered with by the air force radio, yeah. like they're still playing it all out. And I love that. I loved that they did a concert literally in front of the buffet and they're like eating off of it beforehand and then they they go to play the song and they're just going for it or the yeah I mean you have to right you have free food there yeah we can't afford uh, to get hotel rooms for everybody we have to share one yeah uh, you know why not sneak a, a spoonful of uh, the coconut shrimp when you can oh it was so great now I will tell you this right now my favorite thing about this movie was the damn music because it was amazing. All the way through every Steve, single song. Stephen Trask, man. Stephen Trask, he is, he's he's a genius. 
not only through his chord progressions but his lyrical stylization it is it's literally magical right um i try to watch hedwig once a year just to get you know an angry inch inside of me but the soundtrack is a once a month kind of thing because that is the thing about this man uh, you can get the story through the lyrics if you listen to it cover to cover mm -hmm. but it's such a powerful and well written and well composed and well arranged record that it's just like yes this movie means a lot to me this album means the world to me yeah i could see myself putting this album in a regular rotation and listening to it quite a bit because it's interesting that they they definitely didn't try to just make it all one style of music they jump around a little bit. There's a little country in the one song. Um, you've got some pop in others. There's definitely some punk, but they're such good songs and the lyrics to them. Like I, I had my, I found myself really paying attention to those lyrics, the song, um, the second one, the one about, um, the split human splitting up. Origin of love. Origin of love. That's, I couldn't, yeah, where it's couldn't half animated half. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And like, Origin of Love is, is incredible. And, like, not only that, but it goes into, like, your old gods on, on the formation of Earth and talking about how, you know, genders were built. And there is, you know, yes, there are two genders, but there's more than just that. Mm -hmm. And the gods weren't happy in all this. And how are they going to rectify it? And, and the animation on it... Um, I don't know if they've animated before. I watched, I have the Criterion collection of this. Okay. And I watched the behind the scenes interview, and I'm almost positive this was kind of the animator's first, like, shot at trying to do crude animation. And it kind of just kind of fits because it's like a little bit punk rock. It's a little squig of vision. It's a little, you know, not as smooth as, you know, your big production values, but neither is Hedwig, right? It's, yeah. it's kind of that, that, and that off brand offbeat kind of surrealism. Yeah. And it, and it reminded me of, because the, the first time we kind of see the artwork is Hedwig saying, you know, I found one of my old journals and it was all illustrated and it starts showing the drawings from him as a child on what looks like brown toilet paper, I think is what it was, like East German toilet paper. Yeah. But what I liked was like the animation style kind of felt like that throughout most of the movie. It felt like a young child, almost a little bit of an arrested development thing there where like Hedwig, Hedwig didn't quite ever fully develop, right? And is still trying to figure out who they are. And it's reflected in that animation style. And I, I like that because it's the type of thing I didn't think about that watching the movie. It was afterwards as I'm kind of processing everything. And I'm like, boy, that animation really felt like a child's animation in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, but, but very I profound. Mean, it kind of, 100%. But it, it shows on, I, I don't mean to skip to the end. No, no, no. Go for but it. Like, if, if you look at the end, you have Tommy Gnosis singing Hedwig's Lamont. And it's, it's, at that moment, you have a naked Hansel mm -hmm. standing there, listening to the words of a song that that Hedwig said can only be sung by a man, you know, saying that I've made mistakes and I see where I'm going. And at that moment, you know, you have head in the oven Hansel standing there 
as a grown man. Yeah. You know, so no, I don't think you're wrong at all. Um, yeah. And and it was it was just one of those things. Like as I'm watching, I'm like, wow, there's a lot more to this than even I'm I'm realizing on this first watch. Like this is a movie to really digest and and take in and look at because on the surface it's a fun musical with just catchy as all hell songs and really fun performances. I loved the performance of um, uh, John Cameron Mitchell as Hedwig. I thought that it was. It, it went all over the place. Uh, there was a, a moment in the film where you despise Hedwig. Hedwig goes dark, and it's it's one of those where it's like, man, I, I you know, are they going to redeem Hedwig from this? Because that scene where where Hedwig takes the uh, um, passport and is lording that over um, uh, Yitzhak and then yep. tears it up, I'm like, oh, I don't know. And the and the what hurt about that so much from an emotional level was we've spent so much of the movie so far going over the horrible things that have gone on in Hansel slash Hedwig's life to this point. Like what happened and the unfortunate nature of what happened and and all of this. And then to see Hedwig acting that way towards somebody who there's a, a whole story that I want to know more about is the relationship between Yitzhak and Hedwig. Um, and I did read something that apparently the stage show does go more into that. And there's more of that there. Um, 100%. And we'll, we'll talk about that more towards the end, but like, I mean, you see, you see how much Yitzhak really wants to be loved by Hedwig and have a little bit more stage presence. And mm -hmm. it's a shame because, somebody who comes from an abusive relationship or comes up from an abusive upbringing normally tends to continue those traits into adulthood. Yeah. And so like you're saying, you know, Hansel never really got to develop as, as an adult. And that's all they know is, you know, their shitty father, I'm sorry, their, their crappy father, their crappy relationship with their first husband, you know, Hansel slash Hedwig has been abused physically, emotionally, and sexually their entire life. Mm -hmm. And it's just a cycle that, you know, this person that admires you and loves you so much as Yetzaf does, it's just, you know, it's all kind of, you know, coming back out onto them, yeah. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And they did a really good job of portraying like the tension between them right from the beginning uh, without having to have like the closest we got to the knockdown drag out fight between the two of them is that moment where Yitzhak comes back saying, I got the part in rent and I'm going, Yeah, you know, screw all of you. I'm leaving. But up until that point, all we're getting is this like tension in this. There's, there's genuine love and affection going on, but like, Hedwig almost doesn't know how to do that because there's still, she's still hung up on Tommy and everything that's going on with that. And that's her singular focus. And I, I, I really enjoyed like just those performances both were so good. Um, and that was Fabulous. John Cameron Mitchell and Miriam Shore as Yitzhak, um, which it was funny. The first song, uh, I was like, wow, that guy's got a really, like really melodic voice and, and can hit those high notes. And then I realized after that song got done, they had a close up on it. I'm like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing, and I like what they're going, where they're going, with that. And then reading yeah. that, 
that the part of Yitzhak is always played by a woman in the stage show too. In the stage show, a hundred percent. Yep. And and I really, I really enjoy that. And and to have that character get to go full circle and finally get to put the wig on that we see uh, them messing around with at the beginning and kind of go full queen at the end. I I liked yep. like all of that. It was that was such a nice payoff. It's it's one of those where unfortunately as things have to get cut to make a movie work that was the thing that got trimmed a little bit and i just wanted like i i want more of that expansion i want to see that relationship even more it did get trimmed but it didn't get trimmed hard enough where you don't you don't emotionally lose that payoff oh absolutely right because during tear me down and it's off you know tries to hit those high notes and hedwig unplugs the mic <laughs> You ought, you know, right away, you know, okay, there's a power dynamic struggle that we're having here. Yep. So, like, you automatically, as a human, feel sympathy towards uh, Yitzhak. And so that whole time, right, uh, you're just hoping that they have their time to shine. And they don't dwell on it too much, the relationship in the film. But, the, yeah, once, once the wig is put upon them... Mm-hmm. And you're right, just full queen, man. It's great. It was it was pretty cool. Uh, I very much enjoyed that. There was one other. Uh, it was it was cool that Stephen Trask got to be um, one of the band members, and so it's great to see him on screen and again getting to play and sing the music and all of that. And I loved all that music. Uh, where is it? Where would he go? Maurice Dean Wint as Sergeant Luther Robinson. He's only in the movie for a very short amount of time, but I recognized him right away uh, because I was a fan and am a fan of uh, the movie Cube. I don't know if you've ever seen that one or not. I it haven't. Was... Uh, I, I I know of it. Mm -hmm. I just I'm waiting for botched films to finally bring it to the table so I can see it. And so, like, I recognized his face right away, and his character was kind of awful, uh, but but done really well. But it was. The first part, like, shows up, and it doesn't seem that bad other than, like, given, you know, it, there's, it's the giving candy, and I like the, as uh, Hansel comes back the second day, and he's finding the Milky Way and all that, and then a sugar daddy, uh, and it's just, it's just Sergeant Robinson there, naked, covered in candy, um, but I was Goomy not, bears. at Goomy Baron, uh, I was Goomy not bears. prepared for how that relationship went, where as soon as they got married and moved back to the States, he just immediately leaves. <laughs> yes, yes and no, because it kind of fits the tragic plot points of, mm -hmm. of, oh. Oh, of yeah. Hedwig's life, right? Because like, if Hedwig would have just waited, what, like a month? Yep. The wall would have come down and, and they would have been able to leave... Uh, East Berlin, free of charge, not have to leave anything behind. Yeah. But, I mean, for me, it always seemed like um, uh, um, uh, Luther yep. was just in it for, for nothing more than a physical relationship. Yes. And as soon as Luther, you know, got home and found something maybe a little bit younger, a little bit... Um, Young, we'll we'll just say younger. Sure. Um, it, it was not surprising because to have the audacity to 
be covered in candy uh, <laughs> in East Berlin. Yeah. Um, shows me what kind of human he really is, right? He's only really looking for one thing. Um, and so I would, I, I didn't, when I was first watching it, I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. He's, he's a, a sleaze bag and a trashy human and doesn't care about anybody's uh, emotions because he lacks empathy and he's only looking for the physical side of things. Yeah. So he doesn't really care about, uh, ruining somebody's life. Well, not ruining, but, but alterly changing somebody's life yes and leaving them behind because uh i'm just here to do my own thing everybody else is an npc in my life yeah and and afterwards kind of thinking about it that makes perfect sense i wasn't prepared for how quickly it happened because it seemed like there was a lot of there was the the scene with the candy there was the build-up there was talking about the operation and then it's like the operation happened they get home and he's gone and I just wasn't, I didn't expect that to happen that quickly. And it's like, sure. wow, that, I mean, here's Hedwig who has just gone through this traumatic experience, then gets married, moves to a new country and just pile the trauma on, you know, here we go. But I think, I think that, w- that was the point of putting the song, the angry inch there describing mm-hmm. everything that happened on the operations lab, because like it's chaotic, it's fast, it's in your face. Everything's kind of, there's jagged edges everywhere, Yep. which is, you know, probably where at that point Hansel's personality and point of view of the world is right. Just chaotic and, and spar- uh, sporadic. Yep. And then, so when things finally do you know, settled down in the States and they finally get to feel calm and comfort. Well, no, you don't because no. now your husband is leaving you for a younger, uh, a younger person. Yeah. And, you know, as we're learning the story of Hedwig and like, that's what spurned Hedwig to, okay, now I'm going to go back to my, my love of music, um, which as a child, you know, Hansel would listen to, the music on the armed forces radio and the that greats. Was, oh yeah. The greats. Um, and that was like the escape. Right. And so when things got rough again, go back to the music, but now creating the music using. And so it's that thing of like using the, the pain that you've gone through in putting it into this creative endeavor. Um, so I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And I like seeing the evolution and seeing like the early stages of what, what Hedwig was doing with music. As and well. I think, literally like that's kind of why i love this movie so much is because like this is the kind of music that i was kind of raised in and grew up on is the velvet underground your david bowie's mm-hmm. the stooges um you know these these counterculture you know esque rockers who just I'm going to do what I do, and then you can either like it or you cannot. I mean, we also got to talk about the parallels between uh, Ziggy Stardust, Bowie, slash Hansel, uh, Hedwig, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe a little bit different because one person lost uh, more than the other one, but um, I I just love it because that's kind of my genre and 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 you were talking about how this this soundtrack goes through many different genres um when you have you know your 
Stooges sound nothing like the Velvet Underground. The Velvet Underground sounds nothing like Bowie. Uh, they talk uh, in Midnight Radio. They run down a list of uh, wonderful female artists, you know, mm -hmm. from Tina Turner to Aretha and all this other influences that are part of Hedwig's, um, you know, I guess rise to st stardom um, or influences at least. I mean, mm -hmm. it makes sense. Not one artist that um, is worthwhile only has one band or one musician that influenced them. There's normally, you know, to be as successful and not only commercially, but in your own headspace, you have to have multiple influences and be able to do multiple styles so that you can freely express how you feel. You know, if you're just doing grunge metal the entire time, but you are listening to uh, Dolly Parton on the weekends. Like you probably want to make a different record than just grunge metal. And, and I think that is where music can last when you, when you can hear those multiple influences and that's where bands can have longevity. I remember reading an uh, interview with Jim Root from Slipknot talking about uh, influences and what he liked to listen to and what he grew up listening to. He's like, I don't listen to metal. I don't listen to much metal in my normal life. I didn't grow up listening to that. It was the Beatles and stuff like that that he grew up on. He had hippie parents and all this and like that. But that kind of stuff influenced him to what he plays. And then he plays some of the heaviest metal that you'll hear. Like, yeah. And I love hearing that. I like Bowie is a great one because there's definite uh, influence from Bowie. But you mentioned how like the Stooges sound nothing like the Velvet Underground and Bowie sounds nothing like Bowie sometimes. You can yeah, go well, that's true. a couple of different Bowie Thin records. And it's, to, to, yeah, 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 yeah. So like I love seeing stuff like that. And and that was, I think, what why the so I love This Is Spinal Tap. And I think that the music that they wrote for that is great. Um, but this music here was, uh, I think, on a different level because there's the musicianship is as good, if not better, but the lyrics are really good. And then there's just this major difference in all these styles and all these songs. And it feels like like this person trying to find who they are. And that comes through in those songs. And it's so good. Yeah, I really, I mean, really enjoyed that. I mean, that's... If you boil this movie down, it's, like I said in the intro, it's trying to figure out who you are. Who are you as a person? Who mm -hmm. are you as an entertainer? Who are you as a musician? Who are you? You know, and these, some of these songs on this, on this, um, on the soundtrack, man, just, they resonate so hard with me. Um... And then when you watch them on screen, uh, you know, it sometimes has a different feel. Like, Wig in a Box, right? Mm -hmm. Such a jaunty little tune. But, like, anytime I listen to Wig in a Box, uh, you know, if I'm in the car or in the, in the orchard working or anything like that, I can't think of the ridiculousness of the movie. You know, it's so imprinted in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um you know the sing-along hopping words and and the the double wide trailer that folds down yes it's just oh man. and i loved because that song to me felt wig in a box felt like a like almost like an elton john type song and so then to have this 
music video essentially for it that is just excess and crazy and like way over the top fits that so well. And then when we see uh, Angry Inch, it's all done in that little restaurant and it's frenetic and it's crazy and that has the big fight scene in it so it feels real punk rock. And like I just, they did such a good job of all of that. You can tell, you can tell this started as music and it grew from the music. It most certainly did. And I, I had a deeper connection that I didn't realize about this movie till about three years ago. Um, we'll get about that later on in this episode, but like I had something happen in my life uh, that literally like blew my mind out of the water. And I was like, holy moly, everything now makes a little bit more sense. But going back to just the soundtrack itself, um, if you don't know, there was a cover album of this entire soundtrack. Really? Um, it was called Just Wig in a Box, and it has people that were influenced or, or, or just obsessed with this movie. And it's super hard to find. Um, I had a copy for about a year until it got stolen off of me, but like the names on this record are like heavy hitting names, right? Holy cow. So you have Rufus Wainwright, Seether Kinney, they might be giants, Black Francis, uh, the breeders were on this, the polyphonic spree, um, Spoon was on this. Yeah. Even Yoko Ono decided <laughs> to come out. Uh, Cindy Lauper, man. And it's great because not only do you get the, the wonders of the soundtrack, you then get the stylizations of the bands I just named mm -hmm. doing these songs that we, we love so much, right? There's a thing. Rufus Wainwright does do covers. He's done covers before. Mm -hmm. um, he's uh, Across the Universe uh, is my favorite cover that he does. It's just so heart-wrenching and, 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 and beautiful. But his version of An Origin of Love is soul-shattering. Because he gets all of that emotion that... Um, that Trask put into those words and those progressions and somehow does his Rufus Wainwrightness on it Ooh, to man. make it like even more soul crushingly beautiful. Right. In my opinion, Rufus Wainwright is the Leonard Cohen of our time. <laughs> so like he, he, he just does magic to it. And it's, it's so beautiful. It is on iTunes. Um, but to get a physical copy, I know, uh, us, people who still sometimes collect <laughs> CDs uh, find it, man, pick it up or at least uh, download it and spend the, whatever money it is. It's not on Spotify, unfortunately, but it's, it's really worth the $10 if it's up there for 10 bucks. Yeah. I'm going to have to, to listen to this because I seeing this looks like it'd be great. What's funny is when I was uh, reading through trivia and stuff about the movie, they mentioned a cover, but it wasn't any of these. It was typo negative did a cover of Angry Inch on their 2003 yep. album. So they did. So they were doing this cover just a couple of years after this movie came out. Um, yeah. And that I want to hear as well, because just hearing, I, I, I can hear like typo negatives style. And then I'm, I'm trying to picture, I'm trying to hear like Angry Inch 
on in that, and that just sounds like it'd be amazing, especially oh, with Peter well, Steele's voice. Uh, but yeah. I'm definitely going to look for this uh, Wig in a Box um, album, pick that up somewhere, and and listen to it because like I love the Breeders, Sleater Kinney, They Might Be Giants, um, all of Black Francis, Spoon. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Um, well, so Wig in the Box is done by the Polyphonic Spray, right? I'm almost positive on that. Not even looking it up. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. yes, I mean is. Polyphonic Spree. I mean they they are a 23 to to 84 piece band, <laughs> depending on uh, the, what time period you catch them in, and they they nail it so perfectly because they have that you know full uh, Phil Spector wall of sound. I knew you were going and there. that that song man just. It it just perfectly yes. needs that, and they they achieve it uh, cheaply by having you know uh, seventy eight people in their band. But it's so good, it's so good. Hey, if it works, it works. Speaking um, of music, mm-hmm. um, here's the revelation that I had recently. Yeah, Th- there is a record company that I um I'm obsessed with. Okay. They're they're formed out of Athens, Georgia. It's called the Elephant Six Collective. It's got bands like the Neutral Milk Hotel, Olivia Tremor Control, of Montreal, the Music Tapes, Elf Power, Appleson Studio, uh, Appleson Stereo, and all that. Okay. So apparently, the band that I love from Elephant Six, the Music Tapes, uh, it's led by a dude named Julian Cosser, Cossack. Okay. Him and John Cameron Mitchell were roommates in New York as John Cameron was writing and putting this through tests. Oh, wow. So the lead guy from the music tapes was in the original Angry Inch and helping John Cameron, like, craft the music and do all that with Stephen Trask and all this. And it's just, it was it was eye-opening for me because, like, I've seen Neutral Milk Live. I'm obsessed with the Olivia Tremor Control um, I've smoked cigarettes with the band of the music tapes. Like I have this weird, intimate connection with this record company and this guy. And I had no idea that he was also connected to literally my favorite musical of all time. And, and they lived together forever. And they cut, they cut Julian because he was a saw player. He plays the musical saw. Mm-hmm with a yeah okay you get it yep um right before they they went for their off-broadway production okay but he was still you know best friends with them and so like this band and this this record company it just blew my mind that they they were in cahoots the entire time and i had no idea that's awesome um it, it really is and and i can I, it's just it's it's super strange they have um they actually now have a podcast together um, it's called the Orbiting Human Circus. It's like an audio drama, kind of obscura weirdness storytelling. Um, and John Cameron Mitchell plays the um, the ringleader of this Orbiting Human Circus, hmm. and it's fun. But I uh, I also like almost anti music weird projects kind of uh <laughs> kind of audio so hmm. if uh if that might be up your alleyway you could check it out i might um, have to but yeah it was just it was mind-blowing to me so it still is one of the technical things i liked that they did in this uh when i was reading about it was that um 
for the music in the movie, they didn't just lip sync. They did record the uh, the the vocals live uh, on set with, a, I think, a backing track maybe. Yep. And then mix it in. But I like how they did that. And then according to what I read, they mixed in for the movie to hit for it to sound like it was a live performance, but then mix in the vocals as uh, studio vocals for the album. That's a really smart way to do it because I think That's you get smart way to do you it. get such a good feel. Like all the music in this felt like I was just like they were, you know, all right, go and then shooting it right there and playing it right there. It felt like that the whole time. And you can tell when a movie doesn't do that. As good as yeah. some people can be at lip syncing, there is still going to be a little bit of a difference. So I liked from a just from a filmmaking standpoint and a kind of a technical end, I loved that. Um Especially when music is such an important part of the movie that, they're, that you're making. so And to have good musicians. Um, I did see, though, that, what was it, Steve? Uh, he Trask. Did the, yeah, Trask did the singing voice for Tommy Nasus. That makes sense. I mean, I've seen Michael Pitt in, uh, in other um, performances. And mostly what I remember Michael Pitt from is um, Bunny Games. Mm, I don't know if you've ever seen why... that movie. That's why the the face looks so familiar to me. Yeah, so he was in Funny Games, mm, okay, uh, which is a disturbing mm. psychological torture film. I, disturbing is a word that you could use for that. Yeah, one. Uh, I don't yeah, know if it's I'll strong enough, but we'll go with that. No, 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 no. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I I would believe that Michael Pitt couldn't sing, um, and the fact that Trask, you know, was on the entire soundtrack. Yeah, um, made me believe that you know Michael Pitt only showed up to put his uh, chrome cross on his forehead. And <laughs> okay, who did he remind? Who is he reminding me of? As the character of Tommy Nasus, I can't. I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to think of like a musical act from that sort of period, like '95 to '02 or so, with the the same kind of hair. The He's, that whole he looks look. like. Yeah, I know exactly who you might be thinking of. Um, but for me, uh, he looks like the lead singer of a band called Placebo. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, Brian Melko uh, kind of has that same haircut, kind of has that same stylization. Oh, you know who? Hold on. Let me let me find this. I think I, think I know who I'm thinking of because it was the hair. Um, reminded me of... Where's the name? Jay Gordon from Orgy. Or Jay Gordon that, from Orgy. Yeah, 100%. Kind of that. 100%. That's what I was getting. Yeah. It's that same, especially with like the tight leather pants that are super low rise, right? So like if they were yeah. any lower, he'd just be hanging out of them um, and kind of just shirtless and but super skinny still. Like that's who he was reminding me of. I, it was bothering me all movie. I'm like, who does this kid remind me of? And that's And it's funny because Brian from uh Placebo in the early 2000s kind of had the same look. Mm -hmm. Like tight jeans, no shirt, half cut almost, you know, uh Jack White-esque hair before Jack White's hair got out of control. Yeah. Um So yeah, 100%. Yep. Yep, looking at uh, pictures of him too. Same same thing, and it's that hair where you get sort of—they're not dreadlocks, but it's kind of clumped together. And... I just woke up, and now I have to play the show. I yeah. guess you're welcome. Uh huh. 
Like, oh, I haven't, you know, I've been partying all night and I haven't had a chance to take a shower. That kind of hair. Um, so, yeah, that's who he was reminding me of. I That character was so weird to me, but it fits so well. Uh, what they were going for. But he had like this just... Because it was the same type of thing, right? Like, Tommy doesn't really know who he wants to be. And he's afraid of who he is. Well, yeah, okay. It, he's so at let's, odds let's with get everything. into... Spec. Let's get into Tommy Spec and okay. how him and Hedwig kind of kind of uh, cross paths. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Hedwig was babysitting his younger sibling, and they had an altercation um, one afternoon, and they mm-hmm. kind of hit it off. And uh, Tommy Speck was a uh, devout religious type. I would say Christian. I don't remember his denomination, but but Hedwig kind of took him under her wing and taught him like, no, 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 no. Look, you're you you have the fundamental basics of guitar, but your musical stylization is terrible. So, pretty much, Hedwig took Tommy Speck under his, his her wing and taught him the standard Bowie. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, 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 Iggy Pop and um, Lou Reed, and the two of them start, you know, writing songs together. And there's this there's that great together. energy between them, and like using that to write these songs. But Tommy not being able to fully come to grips with like what he's feeling and who he right. is and who Hedwig is. Which might be from the way that Tommy was brought up. Yep. Um, Right? We don't get too much on his upbringing, but to have him be the guitarist in his local church, I would have to imagine he comes from a conservative, Christian value kind of uh, upbringing. Yep. And scared about really being honest on who he is. Yeah. And Hedwig kind of gives him that avenue to half commit to who he actually feels like he is. Yep, right up um, until like something happens, and then and then when they reconnect, it takes yet another. You know, there's that reconnection. That scene was kind of cool, and then you know they have a little bit of a fight in the car. I love that was funny to me, uh, while also like being real. Um, but but before we get to the ha- to, to that point, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, literally, my favorite my favorite line in this entire movie is delivered by Hedwig um, because things are getting a little hot and heavy in a room between Tommy and and Hedwig, yep. and 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 she just literally stops it and said, "If you love me, love the front of me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that literally like resonates hard because like. She's already been to hell and back. She doesn't need another <clears throat> toxic, awful relationship. If you if you love, if you love me, then love all of me, not just a part of me. Love, love me as a human. Love me as a soul. Love every inch of me. Mm-hmm. Every angry inch of me. Yep. Don't just, you know, take advantage of me. And that, that line is literally, it's my favorite line. It's just like, if you love who I am, 
accept who I am, but also accept who you are and love literally every part of me. And, you know, if you, it's like that mean. You don't deserve me at my best if I'm at my worst. Yep. And, oh, God. It's it's just so good, and then flash forward into uh, into the car. Well, and and that line is delivered, and Tommy runs away, right? So, yeah. so he can't at that point, or won't, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. But then we get the whole scene with Hedwig having uh, her breakdown and tearing up the passport. And like the manager being like, I don't think you need my help anymore and taking Yitzhak and, and walking away and sort of Hedwig's now hit the bottom again, like back down there sitting in an alleyway with uh, waiting, you know, to just for somebody to pick her up. Basically, we we forgot to mention um, <laughs> a big a big kind of plot point um, here. Um, all the songs that Hedwig wrote. Right. Uh, Tommy Gnosis, Tommy Speck, he has stolen all of her, her work and has become a famous rock star off yes. of her work. <laughs> yes. I, I, I did kind of bury the lead just, on that. It's a slight over uh, oversight of our, our part. But, yes, all these wonderful world, words and, 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 and chord progressions, everything that Hedwig has written, Tommy has taken, he has become famous, and... He doesn't need Hedwig anymore. So once again, uh, Hedwig is thrown to the side because the 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 partner that that they were with uh, got what they needed and moved on. Yep. And Except with Tommy, she's not as passive as she was with Luther, and so she's been trying to pursue Tommy constantly to try to at least have a conversation mm -hmm. and like travis was saying uh hedwig hits rock bottom and is desolate in an alleyway car pulls up yep and the the limo pulls up and it's tommy and reluctantly or or cautiously hedwig gets into the car and they we see them starting to have a conversation i love i love that moment because tommy is like wants to reconcile but he doesn't know what words to say and so he just grabs a cd and quickly writes hedwig robinson uh inside of it you know to to be like written by hedwig robinson and tommy nasus um which is such a like socially awkward young person's way of getting that point across like i'm sorry but i don't have words to say it so let me do this real quick so that like sure. that felt real and authentic and then we smash cut to them singing along to the song driving down the road in the in the limo they have the great argument uh when when they get to the cyrus and <laughs> hedwig immediately oh, yeah hedwig immediately jumps on that like wait a minute did you sing the cyrus and tommy's like yeah you know like the god cyrus there is no that no and of course, well, we had two versions of that one. No, we did, we didn't. You changed my lyrics, but you also changed an old god's name. Yeah, you not only changed them, you changed them wrong. Um, yes. And but then there's like they start to reconcile and and sort of again, Tommy. Tommy's like he doesn't have the words to say I'm sorry, and I I need you kind of thing, but sort of starts to and then boom. They hit a like a news truck or truck of some kind or whatever. And he immediately reverts to, 
uh, from because the next shot is him being taken out of the um, like police station, and he immediately reverts to not knowing who Hedwig is. And so it's it, it's like there was there was this building towards maybe some reconciliation, maybe something where Tommy can grow from it, but then that quick moment happens and he just reverts back. He can't, he still can't do it because he can't fully be comfortable with who he is yet. Um, And I really, again, that was, that was profound and that was powerful because that gave Hedwig a springboard. Now, now Hedwig is now Hedwig's got some leverage and in the public eye again, uh, through more than just the half dozen people at the red lobster. So, (laughs) and I did like the shot of, uh, the band on was it uh, Rosie O'Donnell show, Rosie which apparently yes. that was taken from uh, when they were doing the off Broadway. Yeah, hundred percent. Which was which was great. Um, but yeah, it, it, to have to have all that, and then the way everything culminates at the end with just sort of that whole last couple of songs are just there's so much going on, and that's that like really is kind of the part that I want to watch again. I want to watch the whole movie again, but I really want to like sit and kind of unpack that ending a few more times of watching it and just sort of taking it all in because there's so much that happens there and it's got the most punk rock moment of the whole thing. Um, which is when he, you know, tears the dress open and just starts like, you know, smashing tomatoes on himself and pulling the wig off. And like that felt very kind of a little Bowie, some GG Allen, type antics without going full gg allen like well i mean it, it's it's almost well iggy pop so iggy right? pop throwing, right? iggy, yeah throwing peanut butter on his chest and all that other rasmus yeah but like it was <laughs> G- hold on travis did you bring gg allen i mean i did and i i really should have said iggy pop first no no yeah but, you know what but, but... <laughs> I love that we both know who Gigi Allen is, and I'm excited for your listeners to have to Google who Gigi Allen is. Oh, I'm sorry, everybody, uh, but have fun with that. Um, yeah, have fun. But it was it was like this great punk rock moment, and then there's that emotional moment where it's just Hedwig and Tommy, and Tommy's in the blue light, and Hedwig's in all red light, so you get this wonderful contrast as he's just sitting there staring at the stage, watching Tommy sing. I just loved all of that. And then the way the movie ends too, that shot in the alley to end the movie is brilliant. It's so good. Everything was was left out on the stage and mm -hmm. yeah, there's nothing, nothing left. You know, you go home with nothing because everything was put out in front of everybody. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, another great thing about this movie, it's funny. There are some brilliant like moments in there too. Uh, I loved the drummer always has his kid around. Yep. Anytime you don't <laughs> see them drumming, he's like, that, that was so great. Like the shot where they're in the shopping mall and he's playing with the kid as somebody's trying to braid his hair. Like that to me was just a fun little running gag um, that they kept doing. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it. This this movie is a ton of fun. There's a lot of little like one liners as well that are said so quickly mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. that it's just, it's a well-written movie, especially between the songs where um, like we've talked before. I mean, the soundtrack really is heavy and great, um, but there's some quips and little things between each song that is just, especially when Hedwig is monologuing. Yes. You know, so here's the thing. Um, 
when you see this now on Broadway, which is hilarious to me that it's now <laughs> uh, become a cultural thing, um, when you see this on Broadway, the entire story is told in a monologue by Hedwig. Nice. Um, and then they, they cut into each song. There is a version on YouTube of the entire show starring Neil Patrick Harris as Hedwig. Which brings me to my shining shame of my life. Um, I had an opportunity to see this on Broadway with Neil Patrick Harris with affordable tickets. Uh, we're talking less than $100 a ticket. Ooh. And I passed it up because I didn't want to deal with the hassle of New York City. And it's a giant regret in my life. Um, that's, that's a rough. One. I know. Yeah, very rough. Thank you, Travis. Uh, there is no amount of uh, water that can, you know, pour away the salt that is constantly in that wound. Mm. Um, and that also is that uh, during, I don't know if people here collect vinyl or anything like that. Um, on Record Store Day years ago, they released a pressing of the Neil Patrick Harris Hedvig vinyl. I tried my, my best to get a hold of it, and I couldn't. And then, thankfully, when I made a trip over to Ireland, uh, I was able to procure a copy of it. Very nice. Um, because it wasn't as popular over in Ireland, I guess. Um, I don't know what that speaks about the Irish people, but... Um, <laughs> It's wonderful. That's but fantastic. This movie, man. This oh. this whole movie. And uh, Trav, I'm so happy that you um, you connected with it. I really I, am. I did, and it, it's interesting because as I was watching it, I'm thinking, okay, this is clearly a stage play that's been transposed into a movie. I could kind of feel that, and it does. There there are some moments where it's like, okay, I could see where you could refine this, and and like if you kind of stripped it back down and started it from the ground up as a film, you would do it differently than kind of how it's presented in this. Um, Whether or not that would work better, it's hard for me to say because there's a certain energy and a certain feel to this that I think works better in a stage musical that then becomes a movie. Similar in the way to like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like you can tell that that started off as a stage thing and it morphed into a movie and it's, I think, better for that. I don't think it would be made better if it had started as a movie and became a musical, so, um, or stage musical. And and so it's kind of one of those things. But I definitely did. Uh, I, I connected with this a lot more than I thought that I would. I thought, oh, okay, you know, it's a movie. I'll, I'm probably going to enjoy it because I enjoy most movies that I watch. Um, but I really liked this more than I thought I would. Hell yeah. And, and it's definitely one that I will watch again, and it it's absolutely going to be music that I listen to a lot. Um, I, I want to get these songs kind of just in my soul because it's so it's so good, it's so fun, and it's it's funny, and it's heartfelt, and it's got some great just the the whole idea of figuring out your identity and figuring out who you are, and the the stuff that Hedwig goes through um is is tragic and so sad but Hedwig never gives up either and that's no. that's what I loved too is like there's a great message in there so yeah I, she's I, from East Berlin 
giving up oh wait that is what they do best no um <laughs> no i mean it's it's this this movie was brought to me in 2004 2005 and like it's resonated with me the entire time right there's not a lot of movies that i that i've watched or even you know love that has resonated with me you know there's there's other musicals that i love right mm-hmm. i don't listen to them once a month like i do hedwig um you know uh, it's just there was something about this this whole thing that was just so eye-opening to me now for people not you know in the know um we had a spat back and forth on what movie we we're going to bring. Right? <laughs> it was either going to be one movie or it was going to be Hedwig. I said I was going to bring Hedwig because I said last time, but uh, I still really want you to you know, watch this other film. Um, I brought Hedwig and the Angry Inch because we're in Pride right now. Right? Um, and, and a lot of people have gender identity problems or, or not problems, uh, uh, identity situations, infusion or, or situations. Yeah. Um, and so I felt like I want people now to, um, just take time out of their day and, and put yourself in a point of view that you're not used to, um, put yourself in, in the point of view of, of somebody who is not only going through some shit in uh, a, a land that is literally demonized for, for feeling one way, um, but also somebody in a, a movie that has so much heart. Um, mm-hmm. I also brought this movie to this table because if you don't know, then you don't know. Uh, my close friends do know. Um I struggled with my sexuality for a while and it wasn't until recently that I grabbed a hold of it um, and realized like, yeah, this is who I am. Um, I'm pansexual. Right. And so like this whole movie fucking speaks to me and like, I, I needed to have this movie come to your podcast right now so that I could just be like, Hey, you know what? It is who I am. It's 2022. Who the fuck cares anymore, man? Yeah. I don't. Uh, and I just, I couldn't have this opportunity slip away from me. No, absolutely. This was, uh, this was I a great to. choice. Yeah. This, I'm really glad that you brought this movie and that you championed it. And also, I'm glad that I finally got to see it because I do feel like we need, this. these are conversations that need to happen too. And, and, and to be able to like, I want to, I want to watch something like this and try to at least in some way understand and, and put myself in the place of some of these characters, which I, I'm finding that I have kind of this empathy towards other people. It's a weird thing that doesn't normally happen to. To, I know to, it's weird, especially to, in 2022. Yeah, empathy. I know. How but... dare you cheat, treat your ch- <laughs> or teach your children to feel em- you know empathy? So it, I love seeing stuff like this. This is why it's fun for me to step out of my and comfort zone isn't the right word, but step out of the normal, uh, typical things that I have watched to see other things that either pass me by for one reason or another. Um, 
that I normally wouldn't seek out because I just know like my tastes and things. And it's, it's sometimes difficult to, to say, yeah, you know, I'm going to go watch this movie, which is way out of the, the, the typical range that I do. So it's fun when people bring that to me. Amelie was a, a great example of that. It's not a movie oh, that I would have sought out on. on my own, but damn, is that was movie that Frost? Good. Yeah, it was. Was that? Yeah. yeah, of course it was. <laughs> so, but, but in her defense, that's a great movie. It really is. It, it really is. So, and and this this is another one. I mean, this isn't one that I would have sought out, not because I don't like the subject matter. It's just like, I wouldn't think about it. If I'm thinking, I'm going to watch a movie, I don't think about Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Now I'm going to, because you got, yeah. me, you got me to watch it, and I'm definitely going to listen to it all the time. And another thing with the soundtrack that I have to point out, is that it's very rare that I find a musical where I like all of it. There's always, I feel like, a song somewhere that's like, I can skip that one. I don't have, I, like, there wasn't a song in this movie that I want to skip at all. Travis, it's a cover to cover, as I call it. Like, a full, complete record, man. Um, and, and that's the thing, too, because, like, there was, there was a song that didn't even hit the movie. They had to cut it. And that song is so good too, and oh. it just uh, uh, they just ran out of time, really. Um, but I'm telling you, sit down, go to YouTube, find the Hedwig and the Angry Inch live with Neil pa pa Patrick Harris, because like you get everything from this movie, and this movie is wonderful. But the stage performance is wonderful as well, and you get like you're saying, you know, it's like reading a book versus watching a movie. Mm -hmm. It's like reading the book while you're watching uh, the stage performance of this. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, to check that out. That's going to be great. Um, I did have to capture a couple of quick clips because they, they made me chuckle. Um, Heck yeah, let's go. And, uh, and one of them, this one's just titled Oven, and it was just this. Our apartment was so small, the mother made me play in the oven. <laughs> And that moment, and then it just cuts to him just with his head in the oven and, like, his radio is there. But that also, like, the rotating shot of the camera inside the oven. Later um, on, that was so, oh, that was so good. So good. But that so that good. moment, uh, that line just made me laugh. And then this one was the end of that kind of rotating shot where it's it goes a full 360 as he's talking about what he would do in there. And it was... These artists... It left as deep an impression on me as that oven rack did on my face. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I, love, I love lines like that because this whole moment, this whole monologue has been very deep, very introspective, very great. And then he zings it right at the end with the oven rack impression on his face, <laughs> reminding and you. Because if, you, if you're just listening to it, it just has that slight echo to it. But when you're watching and it's this rotating shot and then you realize, oh, yeah, he's still got his head in the oven as a kid. Head inside the oven, yeah. Oh, it was great. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of these Hedwig monologues, they get heavy, they get deep. And then there's something in there that's just like, oh, come on. I mean, the one that we played at the top of the show uh, in the mid to late or the the mid to late 80s i was in my early to late my 20s mid to 20s yeah <laughs> i was between jobs mostly hands or no mostly blows yep uh this was another one i i'm sure i have heard this description before or this euphemism but uh it it's now going on my soundboard forever little bishop in a turtleneck 
and the puppetry. The... Don't forget. Okay, I mean it's it's not it's not Henson Studios. <laughs> no, but, but it was the still puppetry. It was hilarious. But also, knowing that it's puppetry, you could see the 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 uh, the wiring. Yep. As the, as the, they shake the uh, the hat of the bishop back and forth. <laughs> and then I, and and I trimmed this one just so it uh, it plays quicker because there's long pauses in it, but I this question and then the best answer I've ever heard to the question asked here was you trimmed it four inches back uh five okay good have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal lord and savior no but I I love his work <laughs> such a like that's the perfect response and yeah. and and then for the like it's a great response and then Tommy's reaction to that is great too because he's never heard that like and he wasn't expecting that and it was just so well delivered uh and then one more and this one um so this i did uh in reading the trivia the car wash gag in the sugar daddy number was a uh, choreographic artifact from the original show during the show's original run uh there was a designated car wash chair that and at the 2014 tony awards neil patrick harris reenacted it with orlando bloom uh, and so, of course, it's a car wash, ladies and gentlemen. I just loved that with the fringe on the skirt and that that old yep. man's just having time, having a great time. And, and so those were clips. Uh, there was there was some other moments, but none of them felt like they worked out of context that well. So those were a couple of lines that I felt like could play out of context. And then so much of this movie is the music. So I could have just clipped whole songs, but I didn't want to just sit here and play the song. No, and I'm excited, and I, I I really want people to go out there and find it, even even if it's not the film, if it's just the music. Sit down and experience it, literally in order, um, and just hit me up on Twitter or on a DM and let me know what you think, um, especially if it's your first listen through. Um, this record is literally a headphone sit-down record. I, I know we don't do that a lot, but it, it, to fully experience what's going on and to grasp the lyrical prose that Trask has written, it's it, it literally just demands an hour of your time. It does, and yes. It's beautiful. And I know that the so, pardon me, the soundtrack album is on Spotify, uh, it is out there on all the music platforms, so find it somewhere. Uh, give it a listen. Absolutely, if you can. Uh, the movie isn't streaming on any services that I found. No, I think nope. there might have been one lesser-known subscription service, but like it's available to to watch or rent on any of the platforms. Your Apple, YouTube, all of that. So it's worth it. It's worth a watch for sure. Uh, I am really glad that I did, uh, and I'm glad that you brought this to me. Um, and uh, it was just super, super fun. So thank you so much, Phil, for, for having me watch um, this movie. Oh, I'm just happy that you brought me back, man. Oh, um, absolutely. Anytime. You are welcome back anytime. You know that. Good, because I have our part three. <laughs> the trilogy will be completed because I have already picked my film. Excellent. Um, but I'm really uh, I'm happy that you... Uh, you hit me back up to bring me back, and uh, I'm I'm always happy to do a show with you, and I'm always happy to 
uh, spread the good word of us wig heads and try <laughs> to get as many of uh, uh, as you normies into our cult. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of normies into the cult, I'm going to be appearing on a show that you do here pretty soon. What? Let people know what that is. Ah, uh, yes. So I am part of Botched, a D&D podcast. It's an improv comedy show draped in the loose skin of a D&D 5th edition. <laughs> uh, we will have Travis uh, joining us for our Patreon episodes that will premiere in July. Um, but if you don't want to wait till Travis fly, if you don't want to wait till Travis comes on and you want to check it out, uh, we are on all the platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, TikTok, and Twitch at botch podcast. Um, we're taking a little bit of a break because we are getting ready for dragon con so that we can premiere season seven. Excellent. The entire back catalog is on the YouTube. Uh, we do it live every Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash botchpodcast. Myself, though, I am the Imaginary Nomad on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram with a one Snapchat if you want to get weird, at Imaginary Nomad. I stream every Monday night. At, oh, no, that's not true. I stream every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern as we play retro video games. Normally, we're playing a Zelda or a Mega Man or a uh, Castlevania. And then also, I do Philip Scared Stupid, where my community makes me play horror <laughs> games, which I hate. Um, we haven't done it in a while, but I have a new horror game that I have downloaded. So the only know the only way you know when I'll go live with that if you hit that bell over at twitch.tv slash imaginary nomad. Excellent. I adore the botch stuff on TikTok because even if I haven't seen them, it's just great to hear all these just weird out of context moments and they are hilarious. So, so that that is all he who is Steve, uh, my co-host, my best friend, my love, he who is Steve. He he runs our TikTok account. Um, he just posted a new one t today, uh, which is hilarious. It's behind the scenes on a Patreon episode. But the my favorite thing that he has done recently is that he has taken a segment of the regular season of Botched and he has done a full blown animation. Oh, for word. for for a segment. It took him hours. It looks fantastic. It's hilarious. And also he gets very angry during that clip. So I'm happy <laughs> that he took that clip and then animated all of it. So literally uh, we're trying to get to a thousand uh, follows by Dragon Con so that we can do live things at Dragon Con. So awesome. if anything, for Steve's little decrepit heart. Follow us on uh, TikTok at Botch Podcast. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see what this horror game is you're going to be playing, too. Uh, I'll tell you offline, man. There, there is something fun about uh, watching somebody who doesn't like playing horror games play horror games. There's a, there's, there's a catharsis to it when I watch Scott Johnson play a horror game and freak out the whole time. And I've watched you so, do a couple, and it's the same type of thing. I So I hate it. And my community picks my games for me. Because they That's know my triggers and they know what's going to hurt me the most. Um, I just, I absolutely hate it. And I've been doing a little bit of research because we haven't done it in a while and I haven't been taking suggestions, but I finally found one that's like... That's uncomfortable enough for me. Mm. Uh, let's give it a go. So we're, we'll, we'll start those up soon, probably in about July. But 
Oh gosh, I literally I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much, Travis. Well, I mean that's what happens when you turn things over to your community, and uh, it is what it is. Now, uh, I will say also that I love the retro stuff. I mean, when you're when you're talking Mega Man games, you're talking you're speaking my language. So Heck I yeah. love that the punishing difficulty yeah. and everything. We're uh, we're currently doing Stumble Through Hyrule is the series that I do. We've worked our way all the way from the NES, and we're currently in Twilight Princess. But Ooh, nice. uh, we also dip into a little bit of Metroid and a little bit of Castlevania every so often. So excellent. Well, that is great, yeah. Phil. Phil, thank you so much for being here this week. This has been just a pleasure, and we're definitely going to do this again. We've got a, a a trilogy to finish up of our own. I'm looking real forward to Botched. Uh, coming up that's going to be a ton of fun thank you so much uh travis i love you to death and thank you so much for having me tonight absolutely and uh and we'll be figuring out when you're coming back um now if you enjoy this show and you want to watch it live and be like Lin, ace of the jungle he who is steve is in there tonight uh hang out in the chat room twitch.tv slash tv's travis you can do that sunday nights 8 p.m eastern time for wait you haven't seen uh i also stream on Tuesdays, my show Let's Watch Highlander. I stream a lot of games. I did some racing, some Forza Horizon 5 this afternoon. I was stumbling through street races in a BMW. It was awful. I was terrible at it. Uh, I, I, I can't stay off the wall in those cars. I just ride the wall the whole way. It's terrible. But if you want to watch it uh, and, and watch me fumble with it, please do because uh, it's a ton of fun. That is twitch.tv slash Travis. You can find me any social platform on TV's Travis, whether it's TikTok, which I don't post enough to, and I kind of need to start doing something with that other than just watching, um, whether it's Twitter, uh, all, all over the place. Uh, Instagram, you can see pictures of my dog who is always behind me during episodes of the show. Um, so please, please do. And uh, next week is to be determined. So keep an eye out on Twitter and you'll find out what movie I'm watching and who's coming to talk to me about that uh, next week. And then, in a couple of weeks, I have uh, somebody who's never seen Inside Out, and we're going to watch that. It is Lauren from the Beard Al podcast, and she mentioned uh, some different different Pixar movies, and Inside Out was one of them. Another one I think might have been Up, and I said, let's do Inside Out. I don't want to cry, um, and I'll definitely cry if I watch Up right now, so... We're going to watch it. Yeah, of course, Inside Out. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there's a non zero chance I'm going to cry watching Inside Out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that right now. But, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. And got some fun stuff coming up, uh, coming up to in July before, uh, hey, we're inching closer and closer to August. And Cage of Palooza 2022 is right around the corner. So definitely going to want to hang out for those because I've got some fun stuff uh, lined up for that as well. I cannot wait. Uh, but until next week, and whatever the hell movie I'm going to be watching to whoever the hell it is, thank you for hanging out tonight. This has been Wait You Haven't Seen. Be excellent to each other. I had lost my job at the base PX and I had lost my gag reflex. You do the math. <laughs>
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>